When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Population growth, good jobs, and cheap money have been a powerful combination for Canada's real estate market in 2020 so far, at least in Canada's biggest cities. I'm Emily Jackson, and you're listening to Down to Business. This week, we're joined by Remax Canada owner-operator Pamela Alexander. After nearly 25 years as the chief executive at the franchisor of real estate brokerage services, she's seen the real estate market through all sorts of peaks and valleys. She joined us to discuss the boom in real estate agents, how technology may disrupt how homes are bought and sold, and where she sees the real estate market going next. I want to kick it off by talking about Remax a little bit. I think everyone recognizes this brand, but people might not know about the company's structure. You've been CEO for almost 25 years, so I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how Remax works. Yes. So I have actually been with the Remax system for 40 years since it first came to uh, to Canada uh, as a brand. And uh, I started my career as a broker owner, built that business, and then moved to the regional operations and uh, headed up our North American operations among with Remax. Now, combined across Canada, we have 21,500 agents and almost 1,000 offices. So it certainly is a brand that has um, made its way in the last 40 years and Canadians have played placed a, a lot of uh, a trust in us. So we're very fortunate uh, that we have, you know, that I've been with the brand for 40 years. I think I've seen just about everything, ups and downs and high interest rates and low interest rates and different industry changes, etc. And I think the world of real estate is still, it's a very exciting industry to be in. Certainly, you've been through all those cycles that we always talk about in the real estate market. Now, when Remax did enter Canada the way that real estate was sold was done a bit differently. And you guys have presented yourselves as a disruptor back then. Why was Remax disruptive when you first came onto the scene? Well, you know, in 1980, the real estate business was pretty much operated by the banks, by the trust companies, and a few small independent brokerages that, you know, had the surname as the leading as the leading name for the organization. There were very few brands actually at that time. Remax was founded in 19. 19- 1973 in Denver, Colorado by two very entrepreneurial real estate agents. And then, of course, it came to Canada in 1980. But the substance of the brand basically was to build an organization for and by the industry's top producers. So in Canada, when the trust companies and the banks and a few of the other larger independents ran the business, they had a commission split with all their agents of 50% to the house and 50% for the agent. And the Remax founders saw this as a little bit unfair because if you were doing 20 transactions a year, you were actually giving the house a lion's share of your commission income and you were supporting those individuals that were doing perhaps two or three transactions. So the industry was very ripe 
for top producers to say, hey, I want to rub shoulders with people like me. And also, you know, I want to be able to maintain and retain the lion's share of my commissions. So that was the big disruptor when we first came to Canada 40 years ago. You see that 50-50 commission structure shifting to, you know, what would it be now? I know with some technology forward companies, it could shift to almost 100% to the realtor. Absolutely. So, you know, there's a big difference between commission rates, which 40 years ago were about 6% standard across the board and no one negotiated. Today, consumers negotiate their commission rates and it can be anywhere from a half a percentage point to a full 6%. And it really depends. It's an individual negotiation with the agent. But to the house, so as an agent, how you split your commission, you're absolutely right. There are companies that offer 100%, a small monthly fee, just to maintain your license. And I would say that probably the highest split to the house would be no more than about 25% these days. And that would be for a full service, high-end real estate firm that is really catering to all your needs administratively as an agent, perhaps some advertising, some of your technology, et cetera. Then of course you would pay a bit more to the house. So there's certainly something for every agent uh, out there. How has technology affected the realtor business model since you started 40 years ago? I know traditionally it's been, you know, it can be quite paper heavy, but there have been a lot of shifts in technology, whether we're talking about websites that now reveal sales prices or online signatures and what have you. I'm wondering how have you seen technology impact the business? You know, I always like to be very forward thinking, and I think technology has been an incredible benefit to the business. I think it has made the consumer, um, you know, have much more control, be more demanding. I think that's very important. You know, range of products, understanding choices, etc. And I think for the professional sales associate, I think it has also been a boon too. It cuts a lot of time out. You know, there are, you know, t- it's it's a fantastic tool. I think for agents. And, you know, we see the flow of information flowing, you know, um, to consumers on a consistent basis. I think what's really important is that 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 information is accurate, but I think it has made the life of the realtor much easier in many ways. I think it has made the transaction for the consumer better. And I think that will continue to improve and be a benefit to both consumers and to the real estate industry. You've seen a lot of the friction being removed from the process over the past several years. Uh, This can be, as you say, great for the consumer and for the realtor, but some of this prop tech or property technology, as people are calling it, um, some might say that makes a realtor a bit less necessary or, or perhaps the higher commissions less necessary. I'm wondering How risky do you see this as being disruptive to the industry? You know, I mean, one of my roles as a CEO for, you know, several decades has been to look to the future, be open-minded and really judge every potential threat to the industry, to our business with open eyes and an open mind. So, you know, what's been very interesting through the entire process is the fact that consumers, even with all these incredible choices that they have, they are still opting about 90% of the time to use a realtor. 
I think that, um, you know, one of our goals within the system is to try to educate consumers the difference in realtors, et cetera. But, you know, I think there is always disruption, but I think it's just really the business will change. A real estate agent, a good one, in some ways, you know, is, is your trusted advisor, helps you through the bumps of the real estate transaction, and hopefully their knowledge, expertise, and professionalism will have a value for you as a consumer. If there's no value, that's when I think we're in big trouble as an industry. So we have to continue to find an important role. And if we can't do that as an industry, of course, we're going to be disintermediated as uh, so many other businesses have been. But um, at this point, we don't really see a big elephant coming over the hill. You know, there's room for all kinds of different challenges and different technologies and real estate companies and systems. And I think it makes us long timers better, better operators, you know, more open-minded, follow consumers, see what their wishes are, and uh, to be sure that we stay front of line. Now, in a market like Canada's big cities, we're talking Toronto and Vancouver especially, the real estate market has been hot, hot, hot. That has drawn in not just a boom in real estate prices, but a boom in real estate agents. So now, according to the Canadian Real Estate Association, there are about 125,000 realtors across Canada. This number has gone up nationally about 25% over the past decade or so as hot markets are drawing more and more people to the profession. What does a boom like that in the number of people interested in this industry mean for a company like Remax? You know, because we really attra- have always attracted in our 40 years in Canada, the top producers, just the way our system is set up, their agents have to have some financial skin in the game, et cetera, to be part of our system. I think that, you know, we look at that as the challenge, but not necessarily to whom we attract. The fact is that half of those agents across the country never do a transaction a year. So although education, knowledge, testing, continuing education, you know, my hat is off to the to the industry, the, the leaders in the industry, to the regulators to continue to ensure that education is constantly bettered, improved, demanded of all realtors. There's a big fail, I think, in the part of actually participating in the business. So many of the people that are in the real estate business across the country today are really part-time agents. They do one, two, maybe three transactions a year if they do any at all. And they may have a full-time, full-time job, but they're not really full-time dedicated professionals. Remax sort of boasts the fact that, you know, we outsell our competition three to one, and that comes from outside industry numbers, two to one in some cases. But the fact is our system really has attracted people that make this a career. They're full-time, they're doing a lot of transactions, and that gives them a lot of experience. Transactions equals experience. You know, you really get to the point where you can help a consumer through any kind of market by giving solid advice, by taking the emotion down a couple of notches, especially in these hot markets like we're seeing. And, you know, people are being outbid constantly and so disappointed if you're a, a buyer. So really for Remax, it hasn't really affected us that much because of our system. But as an industry, I do remain concerned. And I think that tied to education, there also needs to be a production element is that you shouldn't be able to stay in the business unless you do a minimum number of transactions a year. 
What sort of minimum? You know, my minimum would be six. I think that that would be after a mentorship program. Everyone was a beginner once, even the most successful sales associates. So, you know, you need a year or two under strong mentorship from the broker owner or maybe perhaps another agent to really understand the business, to, you know, get your feet uh, planted well. But then after two years, for example, I think there has to be, okay, you know, six transactions a year is a minimum in order for you to stay in this business and to be really a functioning realtor in an industry that's complex, where people are making the biggest decisions of their lives. And sure, there's lots of insurances and there's all of these things, but nobody wants to go through a very difficult real estate transaction. And it's so complex, you need a professional to assist you if you should, you know, so choose to go your, that way. A professional and a therapist in some cases. How do you develop trust when half the agents aren't necessarily producing enough to get that experience? How do you develop trust across an industry when, especially in hot markets, the perception can be that it's super easy money given a house that needs a whole lot of work can sell for a million bucks in a couple days in a place like Toronto? Well, you know, I think as a consumer, you really need to do your research. You need to find out, and across all brands, I, I'm speaking as a, you know, an industry person now. I think it across all brands, check to see the history of your agent, how long they've been in the business, how many transactions they do a year, get references. Word of mouth is still an extremely important part of people picking their realtor and make sure that you connect with that person. And, you know, as a realtor, especially in a tricky market, like we've seen in perhaps Vancouver, we've seen in Toronto, we've seen in other places, even globally, you need an agent to be able to keep you as a client on the straight and narrow and to say, this is not the right transaction for you. Don't get carried away. Don't pay too much. Put the brakes on. And so for a professional agent, it's about serving their clients. And, you know, the best thing is when the client says, oh, my God, that was an incredible experience. Commission, the commission should be always secondary. And good agents that I have interacted with over my last 40 years, whether they're with Remax or with another company, their clients adore them because they have helped them successfully through all parts of the transaction. When it comes to the real estate markets, it's been a bit of a wild ride in Canada over the past few years. Obviously, it's a story of some of the major urban centers versus rural areas. And I know there's a different story going on in Alberta as well, given the tough economic times there. What's your view on the real estate market and where it's going from here? Well, I think globally, the big cities all have that, you know, unbelievable pressure on pricing and for people to get into the real estate market is a problem because there is a lack of inventory. So that seems to be a global issue. And it's the same issue in Canada. They just can't seem to supply the homes fast enough. People aren't choosing to sell as quickly as perhaps as they used to. And there's just more demand than there actually is supply. So, I mean, this becomes you know, a big issue in Canada, you know, for a consumer, it's tough and it's disappointing. What you always have to realize as a buyer is that you always need to look at a transaction and say, you know, I love it, it's important, but I'm also going to be here for a while. I think that's also very important. And, you know, different cycles, ups and downs, for example, in Alberta, they've gone through a period of tough times. They're, they're coming out of that. But what a huge buying opportunity that wasn't available perhaps for some first-time buyers or 
move up buyers over, you know, the booming years. So every cycle brings its opportunities. It really depends as a consumer which side you're on. For a realtor, I think, you know, like I had said, I've been in the business 40 years. I'm still waiting for a normal market. And it's either feast or famine, sellers have the control or buyers have the control. And a good real estate agent should be able to help you through that. So, you know, we're looking at, I don't think it's going to change much. We're going into a period of lower interest rates, which allow consumers to leverage higher and the demand is there. Plus, you know, in Canada, the baby boom generation is, you know, uh, releasing money to their heirs early to assist them in buying homes. I don't need children, but sometime grandchildren. And I think that this pressure is going to remain there for great property, good locations in our big cities. It's interesting when we think about that generational shift as as well as that supply issue that we're having in Canada. I think we often talk about this a lot from the demand side when we're talking about government interventions or what have you, things like the stress test. But perhaps we don't talk enough about about the actual supply. You know, we have more people coming to Canada every year, about 300,000 immigrants a year, many centering themselves in the big cities. What sort of measures, if any, do you think the government should be taking on the supply side of things? Well, I think there's many things that can be done at different levels. I think, first of all, at a city council level, I think perhaps relaxing some of the strict rules and regulations and fees that developers have sort of had thrown in their way over the years. Many are good things, but they've become highly priced. I think that city councils can take a look at that. I think that it's not unusual for cities, for provinces, even for the federal government to incent certain industries to really develop and, you know, maybe they have to incent developers at a higher level. Plus, on the other side is, how do you assist the first-time homebuyer? There's been several over the decades government plans to do that, etc. So I think it's going to be a hand-in-hand by helping the consumer and at the same time, perhaps relaxing some of the red tape for the developers, letting developers say, hey, you know what, this is going to be worth my while, and really partnering with the city councils, with provincial governments, and even with the federal governments to move ahead. What about the the question of debt? I mean, Canadians are among the most indebted people among our our peer countries, we are taking out more and more money, especially as interest rates remain really low. There are some concerns that when the rates rise, people will realize they've bitten off more than they can chew. The stress test and the stricter rules on mortgages was one of the government measures to try to clamp down on some of that demand and perhaps protect people from getting in over their heads. I'm wondering, what do you think about that measure? Well, I think the stress test was important and a a good measure at the time when interest rates were rising. I mean, there was a period a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, which, you know, there was a lot of talk about them rising exponentially, that inflation was back, all of these things. So I think the Bank of Canada acted intelligently at that time. But for the last year, we've seen that interest rates are actually declining. 
And that uh, doesn't really make the stress test as it stands today necessarily, you know, a true measure of what's going to be happening. All that being said, I think that our banks have done a pretty good job of proving source of funds and where the down payment is coming from, uh, suggesting that consumers bring their debt together, for example. We are going into a period of lower interest rates. And yes, people do over leverage. You know, Canada generally hasn't seen a tough recession almost 20 years now. There's been some blips, ups and downs. Alberta is, you know, having a bit of a tougher time, but they'll come out of that. But really, as a country compared to the U.S., we haven't seen seen that type of, um, of a recession. So I hope that doesn't happen in Canada. There's no signs that it will. But I think, you know, good professionals at the banking level, I think as sales associates at the mortgage level, et cetera, I think they'll all assist consumers in making sure that they're not over leveraged and banks are pretty tough on that. So I think the stress test a little bit behind. I think that they should relax that with respect to, you know, qualifying people for rising interest rates. That's not the environment. But I think that what has really helped us is a down payment and some of the other measures that the banks have put in has saved us from a lot. Pamela, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Oh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Emily. It's just been great. And thank you so much. It's an exciting business. That was Pamela Alexander, Remax Canada owner and operator. Thank you so much for listening to Down to Business this week. And thank you, as always, to the Down to Business team. Music and production by Bryce Hall and editing by Yadula Hussain. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and rate us on your podcast app. I'm Emily Jackson, and until next week, you can get all your business news at financialpost.com.